0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University.
1: Now your host, Doug Sweeney.
0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney, and I am joined today in our podcast studio with a good friend of mine and... One of the most popular professors here at Beeson Divinity School, Dr. Gordon Bowles. Gordon teaches in the area of pastoral care and counseling, and he's leading our new Master of Arts program in Christian counseling. We hope to tell you all about it. Thank you, Dr. Bowles, for being with us. Thanks. It's great to be here. And Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Of course, some of you know... Dr. Bowles, personally already, some of you know about him, but probably not everybody does. So, Gordon, why don't we start by just learning a little bit about you? Where do you come from?
1: How did you become a Christian? Yeah. And how did you get to and Divinity School? Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in the at the Jersey Shore, not the one people hear about on MTV, but uh, <laughs> we I lived about a mile from the Atlantic Ocean and grew up um, as a Roman Catholic and was converted in college. And that's where I felt to call the ministry. And I really thought long-term I would be a pastor, but I had read uh, a book by Larry Crabb, really liked it, and went and studied underneath him and Dan Allender, and then eventually came to Birmingham to be on staff at a church. Um, And that's where I really learned of Beeson when I came to Birmingham. So I I started teaching full-time last year and have been here since 95, so I was well acquainted with Beeson. Um, I had done some adjunct teaching somewhere else, but when... Langston Haygood retired, they asked me to start teaching marriage and family, and it kind of developed from there.
0: Yeah. And just for people who don't already know this, you founded a
1: counseling clinic in town called Daymark. Daymark Pastoral Counseling, right. What year was that? Uh, That was in 97. Okay. And now there's eight counselors there, and um, we serve the needs of individuals and churches in the area. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: So you've been teaching a long time at Beeson. You've been teaching full-time, not too long. Mm -hmm. As you've kind of eased into becoming a full-time member of the faculty, how's it been for you? Uh, not that you were new to Beeson, yeah. but what's it like being a full-time yeah. member of this community as a prof?
1: Yeah. Well, like anything, it took some adjustment. Um, partly, you know, I spent almost 30 years vocationally as a counselor, and so you're with people day in and day out. So it's a little different to have a little bit more alone time, mm-hmm. which I've come to enjoy because I've had a little bit more time to study and prepare and, and grow in that way. Um, but I really, what I've liked most is really becoming part of the community. Sometimes, as a vocational counselor, it's pretty lonely. We, as a staff, we'll do an every other week get together, but that's really different than being part of a community and seeing a lot of people regularly. So it was some adjustment initially, but at this point, it's been a year, and I'm just really enjoying the variety of things I get to do and the amount of relationships I'm developing and having a lot more time like to spend with students for instance yesterday afternoon played golf with a couple of students and mm. just have really enjoyed that aspect of it
0: well I tell you what the students sure do love you in fact I I remember the first couple of years I was here uh, at Beeson we came in 2019 and you'd been teaching part-time for a while mm-hmm. by then and I can't tell you how many <laughs> students came up to me personally made an appointment with me in my office sent me emails saying uh Dear Dean Sweeney, can you please find a way to bring Dr. Bowles onto the faculty full-time? We cannot get enough of him. So Mm -hmm. thanks for all you're doing for our students. Well, the exciting new thing Mm -hmm. is that we're going to launch a new master's degree in Christian counseling, and we want our listeners to know about it. We want to ask our listeners to pray for us Mm -hmm. as we launch Mm -hmm. this. We want to do it in the the best possible way, Mm a way that really honors the Lord and His will for it. But as they're praying for us, let's tell them a little bit about it. Uh, what are we going to do, and what's special Mm -hmm. about what we're going to do here at Beeson Divinity School with counseling?
1: Yeah. First off, people, I think, are pretty aware that there's a need. But I would say it's not just because there's a need. Because some of what's happening in our culture is people are being drawn outside the church sometimes or oftentimes for help because the church isn't doing a good job really explaining, I would say, from a depth perspective, a theologically Mm -hmm. grounded perspective why people are having problems, and what does it really mean. And I'm going to use a different word than mental health. If mental health is our kind of psychological and emotional well-being, mm-hmm. I want us to think we're not just uh, like emotional feelers or relational think- or uh, cognitive thinkers. We're relational worshipers. Mm-hmm. And so we want to help people move towards flourishing, which I think is much bigger than just emotional or psychological well-being. And I don't believe you can do that in a fullness apart from like a community that a church provides and also from thinking outside the scriptures. I mean, if the gospel summed up in loving God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself, I would suggest that part of flourishing as a human being is being able to get outside yourself and care well for others. That doesn't mean all the times we're doing that at the expense of ourselves. sometimes, Caring well for yourself may mean setting limits, but oftentimes uh, mental health doesn't really move a person towards flourishing where they're developing an, inter- an interdependency, where they're giving and receiving. Scripture say he refreshes himself, refreshes others. Part of our flourishing is being able to care well for others. So we want to have kind of within our thinking, A degree that really helps people to see others as relational worshipers and incorporating the whole church, someone, the whole way a church helps move someone towards flourishing. Yeah. So how do you do that at a seminary? I mean, I guess part of what we're going
0: to do is Mm -hmm. we're going to train people who will work as pastors who have special responsibility Mm -hmm. for counseling at Mm -hmm. a local congregation. Right. Probably some of our graduates will go on to places like the place you came from, Daymark. But what do you do at a seminary that makes a counseling master's kind of special and helpfully theological in all the best ways?
1: Yeah. Well, I like to define Christian counseling simply as helping someone be reconciled to God. Now, when we're converted, we're reconciled to God, but we have a fleshly nature and the world gets in the way of that. So we believe moving towards flourishing, really part of that is sanctification or being reconciled to God. So to help someone be reconciled to God, it's good to understand how God has related to his people. This may sound strange because I'll be teaching the counseling courses and I'm super excited about that. But I'm really excited about having people who are thinking about counseling, who are doing our history and doctrine sequence, and are thinking about how is God related to his people and how is his people related to him through the centuries in a way that our doctrine and church practices develop. Mm -hmm. If you want someone to be able to help someone be reconciled to God, well, I hope our students are kind of experts at that. There are no experts when it comes to the soul, but that they really have a sense of what it means to be reconciled to God and how the church has grown into doing that in beautiful ways and what got in the way of that. So that's part of it, uh, the Bible and theology, history and doctrine sequence.
0: Let's try to make sense of this for listeners in the know Mm -hmm. uh, in relation to some of the categories that certain kinds of people have in their minds when they think about Christian counseling methods. Some schools, Mm -hmm. some seminaries, teach what's known as a new thetic counseling style. uh, That's sort of a Bible-only style of Christian counseling. Others, at the other end of the spectrum, have a pretty secular way Mm -hmm. of teaching counseling where where most of the tools you're giving students come from secular disciplines like psychology. Where's ours going to fit on that spectrum?
1: Doug, that's a really good question. And I think in some ways, um, my answer helps us understand what we're aiming for in terms of the um, degree that we're building. On the, on the one end, you're going to have the neuthetic people. On the other end, you're going to have what's called the integrationists or clinical counselors. And really what we want um, our students to be aiming for is something really different. A neuthetic counselor, I'm going to say, is often animated too much by their fear of the world. And whenever we're kind of moving forward out of fear, it, it hampers our rest in faith. And so an aesthetic counselor might be trusting in, out of self-reliance, their understanding of the scriptures. They might even be trusting in their ability to articulate their understanding of the scriptures. And that's growing out of some fear. I don't want our students to be feeding. I really want our students to be moving forward in faith. Where their rest is not in their knowledge of the scriptures, or even in their ability to articulate the scriptures, not that the scriptures won't matter. Most of all, we see them as authoritative. But what we want them really trusting in is the finished work of Christ and the ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. We really see any restoration, any healing, any redemption that comes out of the counseling encounter is really a work of the Holy Spirit. And the counselors we're training, we want them to see themselves as vessels and that they're trying to know the scriptures and embody the scriptures, but their their trust fundamentally is on the finished work of Christ and the ongoing ministry of the spirit. On the other end of the spectrum, we might have the integrationist um, or the clinical person. And really, there's degrees of both kinds at your seminary. You're going to have your biblical counseling degree at seminaries, which is more nuthetic and your uh, mental health counseling degree at seminaries, which is going to be more clinical. And if the neuthetic is more animated by kind of a fear of the world, then I think your clinical person might be more animated by a fear of missing out. Like they want to keep up with the evidence-based practices today and kind of what the new rage in the world is. For instance, a lot of that today is about trauma. And there's certainly really beautiful things we can learn about trauma, but the scriptures have always taught that your body and soul work together. So instead of um, being afraid of missing out and trying to keep up with all the latest things, we really want our students to be informed and understand evidence-based practices. But again, we want their trust not to be in the evidence-based practices or in qualitative research. We want their fundamental trust to be in what the Lord is doing in the person's life who's sitting across from them, and how do they be a vessel to help facilitate that. I think a simple passage that might illustrate what I'm talking about here is in Corinthians where Paul says, knowledge puffs up. If you're seeking knowledge on either end, your knowledge of the scriptures or your knowledge of evidence-based practices, if you're seeking that to have power, that's going to make you proud. Even if you're seeking it to to do a good job, but you're more self-reliant, it's going to puff you up. But then it goes on to say, if anyone thinks he knows something, he doesn't yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he's being known by him. We want people who are being trained, and then we want their training to help them realize that people they're counseling are worshipers and are lovers so that their main movement forward is as a counselor to be reconciled to God and or to be known by God and to help the client to be known by God. And that really takes a rest in Christ's finished work and really being offended by grace in many rich and meaningful ways that really do move us towards flourishing. The last thing I would say about this um, kind of theme is we don't want the posture of our counselors to be rigidly biblical on the one end or clinical on the other end. We really want it to be pastoral. And we think it's going to really matter that they're in a community of people who are training to be pastors. And a pastor is a shepherd. He is someone who's guiding others towards reconciliation with God. And if that's what we want our students to be doing, I think it's going to really help that they're in a community where everyone is trying to develop that posture, and then it's going to really matter in how they embody the gospel in the context of counseling.
0: All right. So now let's take it all the way to the ground level. Just Mm -hmm. in case there's people listening who either would like to enroll or Mm -hmm. they have uh, friends, loved Mm -hmm. ones who auto-enroll, what are the students who come to Beeson to do this master's in counseling going to be in for? Uh, Mm -hmm. How long is the program going to be? And what are the kinds of classes that they'll take?
1: Great, great question. So it will will start in the fall of next year, and you will be able to go fall, spring, and summer, and it would be three terms each year, a two-year degree. There are seven Bible and theology courses and 11 counseling courses. So some of our foundational counseling courses are counseling theory, human development and theological perspective, theological foundations of counseling, right? We also have a, a class called Mental Health in the Church. Well, they will learn some about the DSM-5, which counselors use to diagnose, or psychopharmacology, because we believe a lot of our students will be referring and working with mental health professionals, and we want them to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So the practice courses will be sexuality, marriage and family, trauma, grief, and crisis. There will also be an internship and a practicum. So I think there's a good spectrum. And and it's similar to what someone would do in a clinical mental health program, but it is just more focused with, I think, more of a depth kind of theological perspective.
0: Yeah. And then the Bible and theology classes yeah. that are added on to that. Yeah. What, what's that experience going to be like yeah. for students?
1: Yeah. Again, I mentioned the history and doctrine sequence, which is four courses where they're going to travel through time and how God related to his people and doctrine developed. But in addition to that, they'll have an Old Testament survey and a New Testament survey. And we're wanting to help people think theologically and how to really approach the scriptures in a way where they're coming away more nourished and fulfilled and really with a better way to do their own work in the scriptures. And then there'll also be um, a spiritual formation class. So that's the seven Bible and theology That's great. And I imagine as
0: we get going, some of our regular Bible and theology and history and doctrine professors will find it exciting with counseling students in the room trying to think about how to relate what they do normally for people who say they want to be a preaching and teaching pastor and apply it to the the work of counselors. That'll be an interesting stretch and adjustment for them. I think I already know a fair amount about how you integrate Mm -hmm. the scriptures and theology and Mm -hmm. so on in your own teaching. But just Mm -hmm. for listeners who don't, when they come to a class of yours at Beeson, Mm -hmm what's the experience like? Are you using the Bible at all? Okay. Are you using mostly um, mm-hmm. tools from psychology? Are you yeah. trying to fit them together? How does that yeah. go for you? Yeah.
1: I would say in general, everything's well integrated where we're, whatever we're doing, we're trying to think theologically about it. But certainly in class, we're going to cover passages or like I might, I'm teaching a trauma uh, crisis and grief class right now. And I had some quotes from uh, Uh, Body Keeps the Score, which is a very popular book in Christian, I mean, in counseling uh, circles. Mm -hmm. And I want them to, again, it's a a rich tradition within the church that we believe the body impacts the soul and the soul impacts the body. But we're going to read things from, like, The Body Keeps the Score and then think about it biblically and theologically and practically. Like, if we think even just practically, and this might be an example I'll use in class, like, I might be saying... I'm meeting with someone who's lost a spouse and they're not sleeping. And part of what can, and this is a term in your psychological literature, literature, it's called cascading grief. If you lose a spouse, oftentimes the person who you would grieve with is now gone. Mm. So now you have lost a spouse and you have no one to grieve with. And let's say they were the one that handled the finances. Now you don't have someone handling the finances. And maybe they made the coffee in the morning. Well, your grief begins to cascade right? And so I may be working with someone like that and they're not sleeping because of all of that. And I suggest, I I think you should go see your GP or your OBGYN and just ask about maybe getting some help with medication. Mm -hmm. And there are still believers who can be afraid about that type of thing. And they might say, well, if I just prayed more, I, you know, I would do better. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, I think with a good night's sleep, you might want to pray more Mm -hmm. and just try to bring those two things together. Sure. Yeah. Wow. You sound like
0: my wife, Wilma, <laughs> giving advice to me. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next question, I want to ask you this question. I I know full well if I'm the one receiving this question, it'll make me feel a little bit awkward. But I mm-hmm. think I know you well enough to know you'll you can handle mm-hmm. it just fine. Yeah. I get students telling me a lot that they have grown more spiritually in your classes than they have in most other classes, mm-hmm. and. Of course, I I do historical theology, Mm -hmm. church history. I'm I'm not an expert in counseling. Mm -hmm. And probably most people out in the world, their experiences are with psychology and counseling Mm -hmm. and so on are more like mine than yours. And to a person like me, I think, wow, I love that. Praise Mm -hmm. the Lord. But I wonder why. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it about the way we teach counseling at Mm -hmm. Beeson that Mm -hmm. leads a whole bunch of students to say, you know, I'm growing spiritually in this class like I've not experienced before?
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there obviously would be a lot of different ways I could answer that. Probably the simplest is it, it says in Matthew that if you judge the log in your own eye, you will see more clearly to judge the splinter in your brother's eye. I believe good counseling can happen to some degree as we're just growing in the gospel, that we're seeing sin gets in the way of clarity in our hearts. Um, and so if we're growing, and I don't. I don't mean it all in a rigid sense. I mean in a much more beautiful sense. If we're being sanctified, then our countenance is being lifted and we're just seeing the world more clearly. Mm. So within my courses, like one of the things I have them do is send out a 360 degree survey where they get feedback from people on the type of listeners they are. Mm. Well, what's surprising to me is most people base their view of themselves on themselves, Mm. which the scriptures might call pride. (laughs) And so to actually get input, and I'm teaching, like I'm saying, I want this to be the beginning of a lifelong exercise. Mm -hmm. So I began that practice in my own uh, Master of Arts in Biblical Counseling in 1992. So this had to be around 2000. So it's eight years later. And I'm talking with my wife, and there's a little bit of tension. And my daughter, who's about four or five, says, Daddy, Mommy's not a child. Don't talk to her like that. Now, if I hadn't learned to take feedback, Mm. what I might have said to that daughter is a lot different than what I did say. Mm. And what I did say was, sweetheart, daddy's right. I mean, you're right and daddy's wrong. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I said, and what you're saying is really helpful to daddy. Mm. And really what I said is, girl, you're really observant. And there's something alive in you that's really good that I want to affirm. Mm. And so I'm wanting our students to be able to think about their own lives in the context of Scripture and really teach a repentance that is so much bigger than just choosing differently over an act, which is we often think repentance is a simple choice over an act, not the whole way we're turning our lives more toward the Lord and away from things that take us away from him. Yeah. All right. So
0: if we piqued anybody's interest and they want to know more about what we're doing and how they can be involved and how you apply, that kind of thing, how do people get connected in to the yeah. launch
1: of this program? I think the easiest way would to be to get on our website. And once you get on the website, there'll be things where you can show your interest. And one of the things I really like, again, about becoming part of the community is that I don't do this alone, and the people in our missions department are just super sharp and super caring. So if you contact them, they're going to be willing to help you kind of learn whatever you need to learn. But the website often, like any website, has other things that you can just look at and learn about our program. But the simplest thing would be to show, um, designate that you're interested in the program. You will get an email from them and me that talks about how you can follow up in other ways and we will follow up with you. My email is on the Beeson website, uh, gbals at sanford.edu. I am glad if you're in town or want to come into town, I'm glad to get coffee, have lunch, do whatever. Hmm.
0: Wonderful. Well, listeners, now you know how to be involved. We invite you. This is a brand new program for us. We're starting in August. We're starting to advertise it pretty aggressively these days. So uh, please help us spread the word. Uh, all right, Gordon, uh, you've been on the show before, so you know mm-hmm. we have this little tradition where we like to end yeah. always by asking guests to kind of encourage our listeners by saying a word about what the Lord is teaching you these days, what he's doing in your life these days that you're grateful for. Yeah. So yeah. I ask it of you, yeah. what, what are you learning these days what,
1: from the Lord? Well, the, the beautiful thing about teaching is you learn a lot, okay? And I'm teaching a trauma, grief, and crisis course right now. And so I've had to think a lot about trauma. And a lot of what we're seeing in trauma is, as I've said earlier, the body and soul are connected. And oftentimes, we've thought about sanctification only as a top-down process, memorizing scripture, meditating on scripture, which I never want to minimize. But we don't emphasize bottom-up practices where like a good night's sleep will help us to meditate Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. And I'm just practicing better at incorporating what are called somatic practices. So for instance, I'm walking more. The bilateral movement in walking helps both parts of your brain to work together better. Before I understood how the body worked and trauma and everything, I used to say, I seem to pray best when I'm walking. Hmm. Well, the reason I was was because both parts of my brain, when... um we're kind of in a fear mode or the fight or flight mode. Only the feeling part of our brain is working and it's hard to access the more rational part where they're working together. So now just walking, I realize I'm better able to pray and to process and I'm more refreshed than other things I might do. So I've just begun to incorporate more bottom-up practices kind of in my spiritual growth.
0: That's great. Great advice Mm. for all of us.
1: Mm.
0: Listeners, this has been Dr. Gordon Bowles. He teaches counseling and pastoral care here at Beeson Divinity School. He is a beloved uh, faculty member, member of our community, and he is going to be the main leader of our new MA in Christian Counseling. Uh, We thank you, Gordon, for being on the show with us. We thank you, listeners, for learning a bit about what's going on in counseling here at Beeson and spreading the word for us. Uh, Again, as always, we say we love you. We thank you for praying for us. We're praying for you. And we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from the campus of Samford University. Our theme music is by Advent Birmingham. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our engineer is Rob Willis, and our show host is Doug Sweeney. For more episodes and to subscribe, visit Divinity.com slash podcast you can also find the Beeson podcast on iTunes and Spotify